The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, so if you've got your Bible, go to Acts chapter 2. If you don't have one, we have one on the ends of the rows for you. If you don't own a Bible, that is our gift to you. I say that every week, uh, unless I forget, but um, we want to give you a Bible. We want to make sure you have that. But Acts chapter 2, going through Acts verse by verse, I will tell you we're probably going to be a couple weeks in this chapter. And uh, the reason being is if you see your note sheets and you know me, uh, you see verse 1 to 41 and you're thinking, <laughs> Matt believes in miracles. We are going to get through verse 1 to 41 at a very high level, and then we are going to come back in the next several weeks and start to drill down because this passage is very foundational to the church. And uh, so we're going to dive in, but today I'm going to share some things with you and uh, talk to you about something God showed me a couple years ago called, I call it the theology of the sponge. Here's where this came about. One of the things that I hate doing in my house is housework or repair, home improvements. One of the tasks involved in that is caulking. And all the guys are like, yeah, amen. Um, For you ladies that don't have to do that, or maybe you do, let me explain the process. Uh, Caulking is what you'd put around baseboards or on your bathtub, your uh, toilet, your sinks, things like that. And, you know, when you move into a house that's been built by a professional, you see somebody has the gift and they made this look right. Uh, I don't possess that gift. Um, Whenever I had to caulk, I would end up with a mess on my hands and use this gun. It's got this big trigger on it when you pull it, and it's coming out, and then you release the trigger. The gun doesn't, or the tuba caulk doesn't sense that you've released the trigger. It's like, it just keeps coming out. And you're like, what, what? And you end up with it on your hands. I, some people work in clays and charcoal. I work in caulk. I am down on the baseboard level trying to smooth it out, make it look right, because somewhere God has gifted some man or some woman with an ability to do this right. I don't have that ability. A couple years ago, I had to do one of the most gross tasks I can imagine in our house we lived in. We had plumbing issues, and I had to remove the commode from the bathroom. I don't want to ruin your lunch. But I had to put it back, and I was going to have to run a bead of caulk around the base of that. And I was stressing about it, honestly, because I was like, man, it's just going to look terrible. Every time I walk in there, it's going to be gross. The caulk, not the bathroom. But... Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who was a plumber. I was actually trying to, I was fishing with, for him to come do it for me, and he didn't bite. Um, I was like, ah. Um, by the way, I've switched from fishing to hunting, so if I want you to do something, I'm going to ask you to do it, okay? Much easier. You can tell me no, but at least I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find you out. So he says, no, it's, it's easy. He said, get a bowl of water, get a sponge, run it down. Don't care what it looks like. Just get it on there, you know, get it on there. And then take the sponge, wet it, wring it out, and just wipe it. And so I did this. And it was beautiful. I mean, it, I, yeah, it had a nice sheen about it. And I heard angels sing. I know I did. And, and so I'm looking at this, and I'm just like, ah. And so I yell for Heather, Heather, come look what I did in the bathroom. That's, I don't advise that. <laughs> After it took some coaxing to get her in, trust me. But I was like, "Look at this! Would you behold the masterpiece that I have made at the base of the commode?" 
Wow. Line. But I, I mean, I was just impressed with it. I was like, I did it. I, I mean, you, I, I'm a demo guy, okay? I can tear stuff up, but to make it look nice and put it back together, it's not my gift. And I was so proud of myself. So what did I do? I sat there just marveling at it. And I had the bowl and the sponge, and I start looking at it. And just like any guy would do, we're going to sit there and we're going to start playing. And so I start playing. And what I'm doing is I'm squeezing the sponge, and I'm trying to see how much water I can get in the sponge and so I did this for like five minutes because, it, I mean, we can do that. Guys possess the ability to do this. We really do. You, you ask us what we're thinking and we say nothing. We're really thinking nothing. We, we have what's called a nothing box. There's nothing in it. We go there often. I'm in my nothing box playing with a sponge and water. It was beautiful. I had to revel in my masterpiece, right? It was, it was my reward, you know? You, you pay, then you play. So... Uh, I'm sitting there, and at the time, I was studying Acts chapter 2 and, and trying to wrestle through some, some ideas and theologies on the Holy Spirit, and uh, there's pastors that, that were sharing views, and there was arguments, and there's still arguments in the church today about this. And so I'm looking at this, and it's kind of one of those moments where I just kind of have this God moment, and I'm like, wait a second. I mean, Acts chapter 2. And I was like, that's what it's about. And so God reveals, to, how many have to go to the bathroom now? God reveals, shows me this theology of the sponge. And, and here's what we have to realize is that we're like the sponge. God desires his glory, his power to fill us, and then he wants to squeeze us out on the world around us. So he wants to fill us with his glory, his holiness, and then he wants that to go to the world. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the reconciliation from the cross is that God received glory. Before Jesus went to the cross, he said, glorify your son so that he may glorify you. And so through this, the reconciliation of all things through the cross, that God wants to pour this out. And so what you have in in process here is Acts chapter 2 building to this, this climax where the church and the foundation of the church is laid. And so let's let's pick it up there. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read it. We'll make some comments. Uh, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, Pentecost, it's a festival. Uh, Pentecost means 50th. There was a series of festivals in the Jewish calendar. um, And Leviticus 23 is where they're outlined. They foreshadow Jesus and the Holy Spirit just beautifully if you read through them. Passover, that's signifying and foreshadowing the death of Jesus, being the lamb slain for us. And then what happened, uh, there was a festival that happened called First Fruits, which was the day after the Sabbath, after the Passover. Figure that one out, right? It's the first day of the week after the Sabbath of Passover. That's the day Jesus was resurrected. And then in Leviticus 23, God says, you'll count seven weeks and then go to the next day after the Sabbath. So on the first day, 50 days, is this festival of weeks and it is beautifully foreshadowing the holy spirit coming and bringing unity to the church and unity to the body matter of fact at the feast of weeks the the priest would present two loaves of bread to signify that unity it's a beautiful foreshadowing and we'll, we'll be coming back to those in the next couple of weeks suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated 
and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What's happening is they're here for the festival of weeks or the feast of weeks. And they're gathering, they're doing just as Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem, pray. The Holy Spirit whom I promised is coming. And so what happens is you have this, this, this sound like a, a rushing wind and then what seemed like tongues of fire resting on them. Let me explain what's going on. The Holy Spirit is coming. That is who Jesus had promised. This tongues of fire, if you read in the Old Testament through the book of Exodus, when the children of Israel are being led out of Egypt, they are led by the presence of God, the fire by night and the cloud by day. Now, what is beautiful about this moment and the foundation of the church is it moves from a corporate setting to a very personal setting. What you have happening is God saying, instead of residing over a nation of people, I'm going to preside in you. And so what happens is God's making it very personal and he's moving in. You read in the New Testament later that our bodies are the temple for the Holy Spirit. The reason that we are at church is because all of us are gathered as the body and we're united by the Holy Spirit. And so then they start speaking in other languages. And let's, let's go on. Uh, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? These would be the languages and nationalities represented in verse 9. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Let me explain a little bit what's going on. The, the best way that I can bring an analogy for us to gather this w- would be um, the next Summer Olympics is going to be in Rio de Janeiro. This would be like us walking into Olympic Village and beginning to proclaim the miracles of God or the wonders of God and people from different nations hearing me. I only speak English, and I have a hard time with that. Um, But it would be like me stepping out and starting to speak of the truth of God, and people from Japan are hearing me speak Japanese. People from France are hearing French. They're hearing it in their native tongue, and they're hearing the mysteries of God revealed and proclaimed. Let me tell you something. I've said this before, and I will continue to say this. Anytime the Holy Spirit fills a believer and that power is moved through them, the person and work of Jesus will be made clear. The Holy Spirit, you can find enough of stuff on YouTube where people call it the Holy Spirit and you walk away going, what was that? Anytime the Holy Spirit moves, Jesus will be made more clear, not confused, period. If you roll up in anywhere and say it's the Holy Spirit and Jesus is more, people are confused about who God is, it's not the Holy Spirit. I'm not judging the Holy Spirit, I'm judging the person, all right? We've got to make sure we're clear on that. God desires to make Jesus known, his glory poured out. And so then what happens uh, is, is what is next. Um, Amazed and perplexed. What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. There are some people that just heard babbling. 
And that's just some people are going to, some people will not hear the things of God. Uh, I mean, the, Scripture tells us, let him who has eyes to see and ears to hear. That's the only way I can explain that to you there. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Remember Peter, the one who cussed out the lady, said you were with Jesus. And then Peter's restored by Jesus. They're in the upper room, takes the leadership role. He steps up now. I mean, think about this. I mean, this is where, this is the moment where God said, Jesus looked at him and said, on you I will build my church. And here's what happens. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Peter is explaining what's going on. He's going to continue to make Jesus more clear. God does not desire to keep himself hidden from us, by the way. And then I love what he says. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Okay. What he's saying there is... Uh, Jews on Sabbath days and festival days, they would not eat or drink anything before 9 a.m. The third hour is what it's called. And he's saying, no, they're following the ritual. They're following the custom. Let me explain to you what is going on. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and with you or in you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Peter goes on, Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of the fact. He's speaking of the apostles. We're witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool to your feet. Then Peter says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, 
and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. What you have happening is, is really this. Jesus goes up, Holy Spirit comes down, apostles go out, people come in. That's the way God is working here. Jesus said it's better that I go. That way the Holy Spirit can come down. The Holy Spirit fills the apostles with power. They go out and people are hearing Jesus proclaim. Now Peter's not speaking the gospel like we would, that Jesus died for you, that that he paid the penalty of sin for us. He's speaking to the Jews because Jesus, the gospel went first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. You and I are the Gentiles. We're the other, everybody else. We're the, to the ends of the earth folk. Okay, because it started in Jerusalem. Remember, Jesus said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're the ends of the earth folk. But he's speaking to the Jews and saying, this man that was handed over that you helped crucify is the Christ. And he's speaking the truth. And what's happening through Peter's words, the power of the Holy Spirit isn't just translating it into a language. The Holy Spirit is cutting to the heart of the people hearing it. And they're like, what do we have to do, Peter? He's like, repent and be baptized. This is not where Peter said, say this prayer after me and you'll be saved. I said that prayer every Sunday in children's church because I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven with my mommy, right? I didn't know Jesus. I just wanted to be with mom. Don't separate me from mom. What Peter's saying is repent and be baptized. The baptism doesn't save you. We do not teach or believe that the baptism is what saves you. It's that repentance. It's that humility. It's that coming to the cross and letting the cross reconcile our sin with God's holiness. That's when transformation happens. And and so let's talk about this theology of the sponge for a minute. Because God wants to fill us and squeeze us out. So the first thing I want us to understand is we have to live immersed in the presence of God. Uh, Let me say it this way. We have to have an awareness of the presence of God. We can can get so blinded and deafened by the world and all the noise and everything going on that we miss the presence of God. So here's what this looks like. We're the sponge. When we come to that point of repentance and faith, let me squeeze that so we don't lose people to the bathroom. We come to that point of repentance and faith. We're, we're, we're empty. You know, we have a sponge in my kitchen sink. And I don't know if you know this, but if you leave them, they get all curly and crusty and just nasty. I mean, you know people like that. Uh, that's another message for another time. I wasn't looking at anybody in this room. I was just making it. I'm just saying. I was just saying. But when we come to faith, Peter said that we're baptized. In the, he said you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not a reward. He's a gift. Let me also say this. I said he. Barna Research Group did a study of Christians, people who follow Christ, who have said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. 25% believe that the Holy Spirit is a living entity. The other 75% believe he's like Cousin Ed or the Creepy Uncle or something that shows up and things get weird. Here's what that says to me. 25% of people 
who are following Jesus Christ with their life are living in the power of God. Meaning that there's another, there's God's power at work in their life. 75% of people sitting, uh, probably more than that, sitting in churches. But 75% of people who follow Jesus are trying to live life under their own power. They've fallen into this philosophy that Christianity is behavior modification. It's wrong. But so when we, we come to faith, we're, we're immersed in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the church. We're a part of the body. We're a part of the church. And so we live immersed in the presence of God. I hear pastors talk about, well, this idea of baptism in the Holy Spirit versus being filled with the Holy Spirit and all this. Let me give you the correct theological answer here. You ready? You can write it down. Yes. The baptism happens at conversion. We are placed in, we're baptized into the presence of God, into the body of God, the church. He seals us and marks us for the day of redemption. And so we're living in the presence of God. We've got to be aware of it. We've got to pray, God, keep my eyes open, my ears open so I can see and hear what's going on. But what is this idea that Paul talks about in Ephesians 5, 18, about being filled with the Holy Spirit? He says, do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. What Paul's saying there, the Greek is really translated, be you being filled by the Spirit. It means there's a process involved with it. You see, when we get into God's presence, we've got to be real in it and understand that there is a process God is working. I mean, when I say be real, you can't hide anything in the presence of God. I don't know if you've tried it. I have. Here's what Scripture tells us about. This is a, what we cover Before God, he will uncover. That's scary to me. That's why I spend times of repentance and confession going, God, there's this, there's this, there it is. Because he tells us, if you uncover it, I'll cover it. Now, I'm uncovering all kinds of things. There are sometimes I feel like I need to make up stuff that uh, I'm uncovering just so he'll cover it, right? (laughs) This confession and agreement and being real in the presence of God, confession just means agreement. Like God's bringing us and the presence of God is holiness. And what happens is he reveals what's not holy in my life. It's what David said, search my heart, O God. I see what's not holy in my life. I'm going to go, God, you're right. You're right. I confess it. That's not holy. That's, that's me. I got to get out of the way. And so what is this, what Paul's talking about? Be you being continually filled. It's like breathing. What I have to do is I have to let go. I have to release my power for God's power or my illusion or delusion of control for God's control. I don't know if you realize this or not, but our control is really an illusion. You, know, you talk to people and you're like, how are you doing? Man, everything's great. I feel like I'm under control. <laughs> yeah. Man, one phone call can change everything. One text message. One Facebook status relationship change or something like that. But it's releasing my power. It's letting go. You hear people say, let go and let God. What happens when I'm in the presence of God and I let go? Man, God's holiness fills every fiber of this sponge. 
It soaks it up. When I say, God, I'm releasing my power for yours, I'm saying, God, I want your holiness, your power, everything that is your glory to fill every fiber of my being, the areas that even I don't want anybody else to know about. God, I'm releasing that for you to move. I'm giving you control. Here's the question to ask yourself. Who's controlling you? Somebody's controlling you. I mean, we like to get in this idea, our self-sufficiency, our pride, all of this says, I've got it taken care of. I can fill my sponge. And so we fill our sponge, and, and we don't always fill it with bad things. I mean, careers are good things. Kids are good things. Hobbies are good things. Families, spouses, relationships, whatever. But what happens is we are filling it with our power. I know a lot of people that have a full sponge and an empty life. And let me tell you something. We are designed, God designs us to squeeze us out on the world around us. So what happens is, is I let go and I release and then God wants to pour me out. Matter of fact, even if you just take the sponge out of the water, it's going to come out. It's going to happen. It's natural. And so God wants to pour himself out through our life. Now, let me challenge you with this because I go through this probably daily because there are things that, get, that bump me and things that squeeze me. Traffic is a squeezer for me. I'm just, I admit that. Those of you who know me, don't judge. Don't judge your brother. I've seen some of you on the highway. <laughs> Traffic squeezes me, especially when it squeezes from three lanes to two. It just, anyway. But I will go through moments where I look back and go, what was that? Or I, 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 I say something to, to my wife. And I go, where did that come from? I mean, I just got bumped and just bleh, came out. I don't know if you've been able to reflect on sometimes in your life, but when you get squeezed, you hate what comes out. And then you start to make, make excuses. I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that, yeah, you do. Let me challenge you. If you get squeezed and you hate what comes out, stop going back to the same well. Quit filling yourself with the same thing that when it pours out of you, you hate what comes out of you. And this, this, let me challenge you with this. This has to be God's power at work in your life. You don't possess the ability to do this on your own. You don't make a decision to say, I'm going to be a better person. Christianity is not behavior modification. Go, well, I'll just behave a different way. The only way these apostles were able to stand up in this moment and proclaim the wonders and works of God was because there was something internal that changed. There was transformation before they went out. In order for us to be filled with things that are holy and right, and this isn't soapboxing about R-rated movies. You know, use your discernment. Here's a good filter. When God's glory goes in, God's glory comes out. I think the G-I-G-O is glory in, glory out. Or it's garbage in, garbage out. You make the choice. But then you start to see when God fills you that you're poured out on the world around you. And Jesus is made more clear. Think of it like this cycle. You get in the presence of God. You're filled with the power of God, and then he pours you out. So it's like presence, power, pouring. Presence, power, pouring. It's constant. It's like breathing. Breathing, it's, it's, it's exhaling confession and inhaling 
the filling, as Paul says, be you continually being filled. You exhale all the, the, the stuff and you inhale, say, God, fill me. Jesus said in John chapter 7 that uh, if any of you are thirsty, come to me and streams of living water will throw, flow through you. I, I may be, maybe it's not the sponge we need to be focusing on. Maybe it's this. The water hose. Hmm. Some of you are really freaking out right now. <laughs> Mike got real scared. Yeah, the band is holding their breath because there's a couple hundred dollars worth of equipment up here and a lot of water. But what Jesus said is, come to me and streams of living water will flow. Let's make sure we're connected to the right source because there's a lot of us that, that will plug this hose into, well, my mission is feeding people who need food. It's a good mission. But when you're plugged into Jesus then Jesus becomes the mission and people who need food will get fed. Well, my ministry is to go uh, help single moms. Okay, that's good. But are you plugged into Jesus? Because you see, the deal is Jesus had streams of living water. Here's what I've learned about Christianity. A lot of times we're not connected to Jesus when we go out and try to do his work and we're empty and we have nothing to give people. We have nothing to minister to people with. We have nothing that can help them. We have nothing of value that's going to transform life. Or I know people that get so filled up with God, they're good with the, the, the presence and the, the power, and they stay there. It's like a reservoir. You know what happens if water is going to sit there for so long? It's going to get stagnant. It's going to get nasty. You don't want to be around it. It will actually start to create death. So Jesus said, plug in and let streams of living water. Let's not be a reservoir and let's not be a dry well. Let's be a conduit. Let's let the power of God flow through us to the world around us. When we are at work, when we are moving and working with God, then he's getting glory and we're going to enjoy it. I trust, trust me, I love my job. There are days I don't like it very much, but I love my job. You can't tell me the apostles didn't love what was going on. We're still reading about it 2,000 years later. They talked about this until the day they died. This is the best fish story you could ever imagine. You can't tell me they weren't having fun to know that God is working through them and lives are getting changed. 3,000 people in one day. It's estimated that by the end of Acts, over 250,000 people were followers of the way or followers of Jesus. That only happens when you're plugged into the right source. That only happens when you live your life aware and immersed in the presence of God. His power's moving through us, and he's pouring us out. He's pouring himself out through us. And God begins to work through us for his glory and our enjoyment. He gets glory, and we get a great ride. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for the, the, the Holy Spirit. We thank you that uh, the power is so real, and, and we just, uh, first of all, God, I just want to, I want to apologize for times that we may have missed the power or uh, even abused the power of the Holy Spirit. 
But I ask you right now to help us in this moment. That God, some of us need to have the eyes and ears opened. Sure, we can we can see things going on right now. We can hear sounds, but Father, we're blind and deaf to, to you. And so we just ask that you open our eyes, that you just immerse us in your presence and that make us aware of all you are. Show us your glory. And Father, I have to confess this is uh, help me. And I know there's others in this room. Help us with strength and humility and courage to open our hands. To stop squeezing our life so much that we leave no room for you. To open up all the areas of our life so that you can fill every fiber of our being. I just pray that you fill us with your glory and your your character so that as we're squeezed, people see you, not us. So that instead of looking back on situations and apologizing to others and saying, I don't know where that came from, that, Father, we can look back and see where you got the glory and say, I know exactly where that came from, and it was not me. I pray that you surround us, fill us, and move through us, not just in this moment, but this week. And I pray that we all not just use this moment as that time to fill up and try to make it through the week, but I pray that this becomes a process just like breathing. Help us to inhale the, your, your, your presence and your power. Help us to exhale so much and we thank you that you love us and that you desire to work through us we pray all this in Jesus name Amen Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas if you have any questions feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com thank you